wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread, where we're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 9 through 13 of The Great Hunt, book 2 of The Wheel of Time. Previously on The Dragon Reread, <laughs> Moraine and the Emerlin Seat reveal their schemey schemes, and the Trollocs attack Faldara, and Fane escapes with the horn, and Matt's precious, I guess? I mean, what is mm. precious? Uh, Rand has a heart-to-heart with the Emerlin Seat and decides to go horn hunting, you know, because that's what you do when you're a kid his age and Andor or whatever. <laughs> and then uh, the Emmonsfielders all say their goodbyes because they're about to split up and travel in different directions again. Right. That's about Which it. Which I don't believe actually happens. They kind of do. I mean, a little bit. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, stay tuned. Right. Chapter 9, Leave Takings, at the Flame of Tarvalon. Which makes sense. I mean, there's a bunch of Aes Sedai and the Amaral and and stuff. All right, yeah. They can, out. You can kind of have the Flame of Tarvalon for every chapter in this book, because there's always Aes Sedai running around doing things. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess there's the, 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 the primary horn hunting group doesn't have an Aes Sedai with them, right? They're Aes Sedai-less. That's right, yeah. So, uh, Rand, everybody's getting ready to, to leave, and Rand uh, joins up with Matt Perrin, Aloyal, and a bunch of Shinaran soldiers, uh, led by Ingtar, who are heading out to go after the Horn. So, this is the Great Hunt, right here. This is it. Yep. The title. Yeah. It makes me feel there. better, because like, up until this point, I was really wondering, well, how are they going to be hunting that Horn that's like clearly sitting in their city? So, it's good mm-hmm. someone stole it. Yeah. And they're, uh, uh, Matt and Perrin are still mad at Rand. Yeah, and can I say that they act very, like, high school mean girls here about it? Yeah, they do. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they're young, I guess. If if they were still in the village, would they have grown out of this by now? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Boys mature a lot slower than girls. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a scientific fact. (laughs) (laughs) They're essentially high schoolers, though, right? I mean, like, they're, at this point, it's been maybe a year since the first, the beginning of the first book? It's been, like, two weeks. Yeah, everything the first happens book? really quickly. Really? Yeah. yeah. So they're still 16 then? Uh, yes, Ish. right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're 16. Egwene's like 15. It's been longer than two weeks, right? But they were in Emmonsfield. They were traveling for like a week. And then they were split apart. And then they went to Shadar Logoth and had a really fun evening. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, the Matt and Rand tra- like traveled for... For like five it chapters. It feels like yeah. a billion years. Yeah, for all of eternity. Yeah, yeah. That, that, maybe that's why I think it's but been then, a year. But then they got like... in the ways and they went to Shinar... They teleport. It's, it's yeah. literally been a month. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. Like, remember at the beginning they were all like, it's spring, but spring hasn't come. It's still winter. But now it's spring. It's the same season. Oh, man. Okay, so that does make me feel a little better about the fact that they haven't really developed at all as individuals. <laughs> yeah. And they're all basically the same. Like, you know, Perrin, his, his character has grown and that he's gotten yellow eyes. Matt's character has grown, and that he's like now like dagger addicted or something. Yeah, things like that. Dagger fix. <laughs> yeah, he's dagger thirsty. And now you know Rand is like uh, I guess the dragon reborn. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that's, that's plot like, develop, character you know, development. Yeah, like flowers blooming. Yeah. So Land gives Rand the last bit of manly advice that he he'll give him, which is a a very portentous lesson about sheathing the sword, and sometimes you need to sheath the sword in your own flesh. Which Rand's like, I don't know what that means. Okay, I just want to read this section because I wrote, is he giving him sex advice next to it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, is, it, is this a metaphor? Yeah, Land says, I need to teach you the most, the last lesson, the hardest, sheathing the sword. And Rand responds, you spend an hour every morning making me do nothing but draw this bloody sword and put it back in the scabbard. Standing, sitting, lying down. I think I can manage to get it back in the sheath without cutting myself. <laughs> I said, listen, sheep herder, the warder growled. There will come a time when you must achieve a goal at all costs. It may come in attack or in defense, and the only way will be to allow the sword to be sheathed in your own body. So it's pretty clear what this means, right? This is obvious. Yeah, he's like, coming what? on to him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My read is that, you know, Lana's looking at Rand and being like, dude, you're really stressed. Just go, like... Take it, take care of it, man. <laughs> yeah. Just go rub it out, because like this sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're gonna be all right. Sometimes you need to sheath the sword in your own. Flesh. <laughs> I'll be right back. I got to go sheath my sword. Because <laughs> like, look at you, Rand. I mean, like, you're just like, you know, freaking out over here. You know, you're you're, you're wound really tight. Mm-hmm. We all know what you need, and Egwene's not gonna give it to you. Right. You know, that's okay. And he and lands from the borderlands where they 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 sheath. They're their very swords. open about all these things yeah. you know, because. It's all about fighting the Trollocs, and if sheathing your sword puts you in a better frame of mind to fight. Yeah, sometimes you got to clear your mind, you know? You can't be, like, <laughs> yeah. all caught get, up in Get all that romance. energy out yeah. there. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, uh, yes, Land gives Rand a, a talk about... Jacking off. Jacking off. <laughs> Jacking it. And then... Uh, this is it, how you jack it, Rand. During this organization, the, the Amarlin seat uh, is, starts speechifying, which I guess she does a lot. And, and Archer takes a shot at apparently Rand. But misses Rand and wings the Amarlin seat and kills some other guy. <laughs> Who they, you know, the, they kind of brush aside pretty pretty readily. Yeah, we find out that the Omerlin seat's kind of a stone-cold badass. She barely escapes getting hit. She gets nicked a little bit, and she's just like, okay, whatever. Let's keep going. She's yeah. very calm about it all. Yeah, she's like, I don't see why this changes our plan. We still gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not even like a set them off their schedule. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and everybody thinks that the Archer was taking a shot at the Omerlin seat, I guess for political reasons, but... Rand and the Armorland Seat seem to agree that it, they were taking a shot at Rand. Mm-hmm. So who could that be? We don't know. And can I say, there's this one one line that I just thought was super sad. They're talking about um, Rand is thinking back to Egwene's father had a big map back in Emmons Field that Rand would pour over. And it says, dreaming before he found out what dreams were like when they came true. Aww. Yeah, I know. I thought that was really sad. Yeah, he used to dream of adventure, and now he knows how, how, how much, much adventuring sucks. sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, this is yeah. This Aww. is, this Just is a what, little a bit, little bit of feels. This right is why you don't dream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they have a. They leave. They march out. It's a big to do. There's trumpets and people cheering and and whatnot. Uh, lots of interesting. Uh, lots of cool descriptions in this chapter. It was, it was fun to read. Yeah, I thought uh, and. Ingtar, who is now the leader of Rand's little band, leader of the Shinarans, and Rand, Matt, Perrin, and Loyal, who are all with them on the hunt for the horn, uh, mentions that Changu and Nidao, the, the former guards of Patton Fane, are the dark friends that cut the throats of the people at the walls and led in the Trollocs. Yeah, and they're, 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 he's kind of... He's kind of almost disbelieving because he also mentions that they saved the life of... Was it Lord? Yeah, Lord Agomar. Lord Agomar at, at the, the at the reach or at, at the at the Battle of Tarwin's Gap. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. that happened fast. Right. Yeah. These were yeah good people, and now they're not. So that's that's just just from hanging out with Pad and Fame. Or they were crazy deep undercover. Yeah, maybe that was it too. Well, I mean, all this stuff is going on, and Lord Agomar's trying really hard to keep the Omerlin seat from leaving. Yeah, he is. Like that's suspiciously, true. right? Okay. I, I'll be the first to admit that I'm feeling super paranoid now after that whole scene with all the dark friends at the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah. Like, I look at everyone and I'm like, that person's a fucking dark friend. <laughs> so I'm like, Egomar, he's a fucking dark friend. So maybe it makes sense if they saved him in the gap if he's also a fucking dark friend. <laughs> yeah, they're all dark friends. Like, everybody dark except Ingtar is a dark friend. Well, I mean, like, all these people left and with, uh, with the horn and with, with Thane, who are probably all dark friends, mm-hmm. and there's still dark friends around because someone's still shooting at the... <laughs> Of the people. So well, and going back to Chango and Nidao, though, um, isn't there an expression that the most pure of heart are the easiest to corrupt? Mm. Is there? I, yeah, I've totally heard that before. <laughs> oh, yeah, that old saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that old saying. What, what is it? The purest of the heart? The purest of heart are the easiest to corrupt. So I Alice wonder Sullivan. Be, yeah, dot, 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 Alice Sullivan. 2017. 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if it's that, because they were so honorable, they were... Once Pat and Fane shows up, they're just they destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're the worst of the worst after that. Yeah. Were they the ones in the were they the ones acting all weird in the dungeon when he came to visit? I, yes. I, okay, so that was them. And Egwene at that time was like, These people were really nice to me when I came here the first time. So oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. So that was their horcruxes. Their horcruxes? Or Pat and Fane is a horcrux. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he makes people around him evil, yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Mm-hmm. Well I don't understand that reference. Harry Potter. Harry what? <laughs> oh my god engage with modern times Jeff. no no we're, this, this is our next podcast <laughs> all the books that are worth reading were written in between 1990 and 1992 <laughs> uh, so so I mean we know that Padden Fane has been poisoned by all these different things so he could just be like another Shadar Logoth right like it could be that all these things are, yeah, are happening as this, is, this is I think this is more death stuff yeah. this is what happened in Shadar Logoth yeah, and eventually, if it had kept going, they would have turned into an evil fog. <laughs> All <laughs> of them. everybody, yeah. Uh, but it's like radiation, you know. Yep, exposure to it, even at a distance, is dangerous. Yeah, uh, they also meet at this point Huron, <sighs> the sniffer. Wow, you don't, you don't like the sniffer? <laughs> the sniffer. The sniffer. He's a it's, sniffer. It's so not what, a great name. So what's a sniffer? Uh, this guy who sniffs. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's one who sniffs. He, he's. he's 
he has a superpower, uh, strangely, of smelling violence or where violence has occurred. Yeah. Which he assures us has nothing to do with the source because he's a guy, and if a guy touches the source, is real bad. So right. Yeah. He he's got the same problem that. Perrin does, where right. he's got a superpower and he has to assure everybody it's not channeling. Right. Exactly. And well, he can. It's really useful to have him right now. Yeah, it is useful. It's useful as a plot device. <laughs> I was just like, really? Okay, Sniffer, sure. Like, I'm just imagining Robert Jordan sitting around like, oh, shit. How are we going to get them to be able to follow the Trollocs? Yeah, let's have a Sniffer. Somebody who can smell violence. Yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Yeah, we'll call him Purin. Yeah. <laughs> After my nephew. That's what he sat. <laughs> he sat at his typewriter saying that to himself. <laughs> yeah. So they need to be hurrying to catch up with the horn. Hurry it. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> yeah. That's how they name Or he was drinking a snifter of brandy. <laughs> You're in? Uh, Robert Jordan while he was writing. Oh, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, a snifter. A snifter. A snifter. <laughs> He's having a snifter of brandy. He's like, what can I call this guy? Oh, this is a great snifter. Sniffer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... Eureka. In as much as we, we will credit Robert Jordan with having a plan, this is part of like all sorts of magical things coming alive at this point in the in the history of this world. But can we all agree he's bad at naming things? What's wrong with Huron? I mean, like, the sniffer. A sniffer. Well, he's, uh, more what death. you call him? More death. <laughs> more dread. <laughs> dread more. Mount Doom with Mount an Doom H. Mount Doom with an H. <laughs> I mean, you know, Land fear. sturdy but effective names. <laughs> I'm just saying, you always know there's a villain. It's, he's, ha- he's, bad, he's bad at hiding villains because he gives them really uh, ominous mm-hmm. names. There is one thing that I think is super cool, though. Um, Huron is kind of giving us a little bit of his background and how he eventually became a sniffer. And... Uh, he's trying to convince people this isn't a power I have, uh, and I had the, a brown Aja who kept me months trying to figure out my powers, and trying to figure out how he does it, and it says, she kept muttering, is it old come again or new, and and staring at me, which I thought was kind of cool, because mm-hmm. that's a, that also makes me think back to Perrin, Perrin, because Perrin has this amazing wolf magic that apparently comes even before... Uh, men being able to channel the yeah. one true source, so I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, they right. they, they hinted like that. You know, that there's different degrees of ancient history. They mm-hmm. they talk about the Age of Legends as this like ancient magical time, but there's all this interesting stuff that happened even before that that they only have hints of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like a like in Game of Thrones where when the the dragons are reawakened, magic just sort of comes back into the world, and all the the red priests had all these prayers in Game of Thrones that. That didn't used to work. It was just, you know, empty prayers. But they started working again. Because just all sort of like a rising tide of magic okay. was coming back. Yeah, which would make sense in, in this series. Because we hear that all of a sudden there's a bunch more false dragons coming into the world. Yeah, right? Interesting. It's, it's all, if, if you believe in the weaver or the pattern or whatever, then then it's the the, weave, the pattern is bringing all this stuff back. Because something big is happening. Yeah, and they, they talk, they, the Aes Sedai are constantly mentioning how they their powers are weaker than they used to be now. Like they're, they're, they used to have people who could do all these amazing things, not even, you know, a few hundred years ago, but these days Aes Sedai are, are less and less powerful. They can't do, like, traveling, and there are very few people with the foresee- foreseeing, mm-hmm. I can't remember what they call it, the... Foretelling. Foretelling. So, you know, there are all these talents they know exist, but just they haven't been around in forever. Yeah. But then along come Gwyn and Nynaeve, and they're like, these people are really strong. Right, you know? like the tide is turning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that everyone calls Rand Lord, even though he specifically says, don't call me Lord all the time. Yep. He says, I'm just a shepherd. Don't call me Lord. It doesn't matter uh, because he's just so handsome or something. Yeah, well, I, it, it's it's like it's like this rumor mill has produced this idea that's kind of self-feeding because the more people who call him Lord and act deferential to him, the more people see that and think that they should act yeah, that way. I think it's it's Taverin-ness. Yeah. Oh, because the, the pattern has a place for him. And he needs to be a lord, and so everybody's going to believe he's a lord no matter what. Mm. And I was thinking, maybe it goes back to this idea of perception. They keep dressing him in this way, and so people think he's much more important and uh, aristocratic than he actually yeah. is. That's definitely according to Nynaeve's plan, because, you know, not Nynaeve, sorry, Ma- Moraine. Every time Rand opens a package for Moraine, it's like, oh, she picked my, packed my fanciest clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got packed his, like, clothes. coats, and he's like, well, I'm going to go find another coat. Oh, crap. She only... yeah, she burned all my coats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, now my friends are going to make fun of me for what I'm wearing. <laughs> and they do. Yeah. That's a... I think that's notable because this is a place where these this series diverges from Lord of the Rings, which is the template. 
Because in Lord of the Rings, you're either noble or you're not. You know, you're either great or you're low. Uh, and it's it's a kind of a class-based society, even between, like, races of creatures in Lord of the Rings. But in this, the the thrust of this is that Rand is this... That all the, all people are pretty much the same. Rand is just this guy from a, from a farm, but he put him in these clothes and, and put him in the right situation, everybody calls him a lord. Yeah. Right? There's no difference between him and Lord Agomar, really. You know, that, and that's a much more modern point of view than, than Tolkien had. Yeah, because I know one thing that always kind of bothered me a little bit about Lord of the Rings was the dichotomy, the relationship with um, Sam and Frodo, because Frodo, because Sam is very subservient to Frodo. He's mm-hmm. just this gardener where Frodo is part of the, I guess if there was an aristocracy among yeah. the, the hobbits. He's landed gentry in the Shire. Yeah. An, yeah. Old, an old family with like, you know. Lots of money. And, 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 and to modernize. They're just a bunch of hobbits, right? They're they're pretty much the same. They live in the same place. They're interested in the same stuff, but to them, this class distinction is very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back to the book. Uh, we cut to Bail Domon. Oh man, <laughs> one I of my favorite so characters. Yeah, he's him. great, and you know, like he continues to be great. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, fun. Like when they when they when they brought him back, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do a Bail Domon mm-hmm. chapter. Which was yeah, this is the books, of course are growing in scope, and there's going to be a lot more characters as we go forward. Yeah. Uh, so Bail Domon is in Ilion, and is Carnival in Ilion, which is, this is very different from anything we've seen before. This is yeah. like, it looks like Mardi Gras yeah. in, in Ilion, which I guess Ilion is kind of like New Orleans, I want to say. Oh, okay. Like a port city with a bunch of different yeah. cultures. It's at the, bo- the bottom, on the delta of the river, and, you know, they've got like kind of a freewheeling, open kind of culture with a lot of history. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's carnival. Everybody's dressed up, but Bail Domon uh, is going to a meeting, uh, and we we learn from his thoughts that Dark Friends and Trollocs are still after him, uh, and he he has this weird contract where these people offer him gold to just go do this really easy milk run with his boat. A ridiculous amount of gold, like yeah. not a suspicious amount of gold. Yeah, and and he he this is like the fourth or fifth of these contracts. People keep coming out of the woodwork to give him contracts trying to get him to go somewhere. And every time he turns one down, people on his crew die. Yeah, people <laughs> on his crew get killed. And they're, they, they're killing people on his crew trying to get them to talk to them. And there are people trying to sneak on his boat. And then this, this contract, he takes their money, but then he opens their sealed envelope they gave him to deliver. And it says, this guy's a dark friend, kill him. Uh, so they were trying to get him killed. Like, something is going on with Bail Domon. And uh, the the letter this time is signed by the King of Carhian, which is a big deal. We haven't been been to Carhian yet, but it's a, a big country. Yeah, uh, so it'd be, it'd be a, a, essentially like the Queen of Andor, sort of, right? Yeah, exactly. So whatever whatever's going on is really major. And uh, I think we find out a little bit about what's going on because he goes back to his boat, and uh, I guess to relax himself, he goes over his collection of artifacts. Yeah, just starts <laughs> playing with his toys. Yeah, because as we know, Bail Dolmon, he just loves adventure and seeing new things and collecting stuff from all over the world. He's yeah. kind of an old school sailor. Yeah, yeah, right. At heart. I, I yeah. think his chapters were some of my favorite because while they were sailing with him, he was talking about like some of the unusual things and, and some of the, the, the places that he's been. And mm-hmm. to me, that's a lot of... A, a lot of the, the stuff I find most interesting about uh, Robert Jordan's world are these these artifacts of previous times that don't, people don't really understand what they are, mm-hmm. but you can kind of like imagine what they could be or what they might have been or what they might have meant. Yeah. And yeah, Bail Domon's like immersed in that stuff. And we get an interesting reference there too, because one of the things Bail Domon has looks like it's the, the Heartstone. Yeah, it's the seal. It's yeah. Seal, he has yeah. a seal. One of the seals of the Dark One's prison. And there aren't that many of them out there. There are seven. Well, six now. Yeah. Because yeah, one of them busted when they... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know exactly how they break. And I think... Yeah, probably Dark One power or yeah. something. It's supposed to be very difficult to break them. I, I yeah. mean, I guess, according to legend, they're unbreakable. So the fact that they're right. broken is... You know. And I think that's... It's pretty clear that's what the, the all these Dark Friends and Trollocs are after, is that seal of the Dark One's prison. So I guess they need to have it in order to break it. Yeah, I so think so. You, so you think that's why Beldemon is in so much danger right now? I think so, yeah. How the, do they know he has it, I wonder? Yeah, good question. They must have tracked it. And mm-hmm. he and he himself doesn't realize that that's why people are after him, if that is yeah, the case. Yeah, he doesn't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, he mentions it, I mean, it's very casually mentioned that mm-hmm. he has it. He knows does, it's it's valuable, but he doesn't realize how dangerous it is, does he what even it know, stands for. Does he even know it's Quindalar? Yes, he does. Okay. Couldn't remember if he had actually noted the material, but yeah, we know what it is for sure. Yes. Okay, so he knows it's Quindalar, but he probably doesn't even know 
that the seals are a, a physical thing and that that's what they look like, if he even knows about the seals. Mm-hmm. The seals on, Dark Winds, on the Dark Winds prison are like a common legend, right? Like something that everyone sort of knows. I think they don't know exactly what it is. They they know that, you know, the Amarillo Seats uh, second-in-command is known as the Keeper of the Seals or the Watcher of the Seals. Yeah. And those are the seals on the Dark One prison. But nobody... I don't think it's it's widespread knowledge that those seals are actually a real thing right. that are out there, and that nobody knows where they are. Well, we we know we know from the Amarillo seat herself that they used to know where they are, but now they don't know where any of them are. Right? I think she said that you know, despite the fact that that's my job, we don't know where those things are. Yeah, right. They lost them. Yeah, I want to look into this. I, I love his little collection of artifacts because uh, it's they're evocative. I think like he's he's got well. He's got a glow stick, and that's not that interesting. Well, it's not exactly a glow stick, because he said he had one once, and it broke, and it set everything on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of like a glow stick, but also, you know, <laughs> fiery. Mm. And he's got an old carving of a man holding a sword, uh, and he doesn't know what it is, but it's old. And he's got a skull of a cat as big as a lion. and So saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, with, with uh, fangs, almost tusks a foot long. And uh, this is just the stuff he collects, so it sounds... It's fascinating, right? He's had a... I would, I would like to read a story just about this guy's adventures. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, he, instead of doing what the contract wants him to do and go east to Terror, he flees west and he goes towards Toman Head, the location that keeps popping up. So he's like... So he's in Ilion right now. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the map now. And he's going... Yeah, he's going west towards Terrabon and Aradaman. Gotcha. And, and, he, and they say that the... Oh, he was saying he might go as far as the Aerith Ocean? Aerith, Aerith Ocean yeah, which is out there to the west, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Because uh, he's just doing the opposite of what they want him to do. I'll know. I'll know do what they want me to do. <laughs> but, I mean, like... Is it really the opposite of what they wanted to do? Like, wouldn't they think that he would open that thing? Like, again, I'm, I know I'm, pro- I'm probably super paranoid here, mm. but, like, I'm, all I'm thinking is... He's probably playing right into their trap. That's yeah, he might want. be. Yeah. I it's, thought the letter was weird, though, too, because it just says the bearer of this is a dark friend. It never names him specifically. So what's up with true. that? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the people that gave it to him didn't know that that's what it said. Maybe somebody was trying to get them. It's <laughs> possible, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it could it might not even be the actual hand of the king. We don't yeah, know. That's, that's kind of a classic thing to do, though, or a classic story in history. You give somebody a letter... Uh, to carry with them, and, and the letter says, kill this guy. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of a, a literary trope of yeah. sorts. So, chapter 10, the hunt begins, and there's a picture of the horn, which still looks like a French horn to me. Yeah. I think that's probably pretty close to what yeah, it is. I, yeah. mean, I thought the I would think the horn of Valier would be like a Viking a horn. Oh, like a, a horn. Know. Like a like a literal horn. Yeah, but you know, like a like a like a trumpet, like you said. Like, oh, okay. Not like a, a horn made from like an animal horn. Mm-hmm. That's I I I, Not I a pictured it. Oh yes, yeah, that's exactly how I pictured it actually. Mm-hmm. Until we found out it was a French horn. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're heading south with Angtar, and they're uh, they're chasing the Padden Fane and his group of dark friends and Trollocs and stuff. But they're they're. Moving really fast, so Ingtar can't keep up with them, even though he's trying as hard as he can. Well, we, I've, I've, we've known from... Pre, I think in the previous book they talk about the fact that Trollocs can run extremely fast. Yeah, as fast as a horse and for longer. Right. So but, it's frustrating trying to catch them. Yeah, but they have dark friends with them. True. Yeah, and they're they're just going south, which is interesting because uh, they, they had expected them to run for the Blight. You know, they got the, the Horn of Valir. Why not take it to the Dark One? True. So... It turns out that Moraine has, like we mentioned earlier, packed Rand's bags with lordly clothes. Yep, she wants him to be a fancy boy. Because he's still a puppet dancing on her strings. I won't be a puppet. I won't, I won't be used. Except I guess I kind of have to wear these yeah. clothes. Yeah. yeah. I won't be used right after I do what Moraine wants me to do again. <laughs> and uh, Ingtar on the way uh, drops some knowledge of the Isle. We learn a lot about the Isle here. Yeah. They sound like super badasses. Yeah, like ultimate super badasses who live in the wasteland and kill everybody that looks unfunny. Okay, now, given that, we ha- I have an important question for you, Jeff. Who would win in a fight, an Isleman or Lan? An average Isleman? Uh, I mean, they're, 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 all, they're all super badasses. If they're all equally badass? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Lan would win against one, yeah. one-on-one, but then he would be sad because he, had, he defeated so great a warrior, <laughs> and he would shed a single tear, and then he would say the Lan thirsts. 
when the tear hit the ground. All right. Wow. <laughs> All right. And then he would throw you on the ground and take you? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever he take, wants to do. <laughs> take you in his muscular arms. Look at you with steely gray eyes. Steely blue eyes. Steely blue gray eyes. And because I'm the pronunciation nerd here, I have to tell you, it's actually pronounced Aiel. Is that what I said? You said Isle. Isle? Like Isle yeah, of the like supermarket? Groceries. Yeah, like groceries for Isle. Aiel. Aiel. Okay. So it's Aielman? Aielman. Aielman. Yeah. That is really awkward to say. Yeah. Aielman. 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 Yeah. Okay. But anyway, we learn a lot about them. They they put on their veils when they kill people, and they don't trade with anybody, and the women fight with the men if they want to, and uh, they're just the ultimate warrior race. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if that information is going to come in useful ever. Probably not. Ever. <laughs> yeah. And as they go south, continuing, they find a bunch of dark friend bodies, which leads us to our perennial question, why would you be a dark friend? Yeah, I mean, okay, so... This is awful. This yeah. is something I've been thinking about a lot in these chapters, because, you know, I, I kept... we. I, I mean, I, I thought that a lot in the first book, like, being a dark friend sounds pretty sweet, mostly. But I, I think they don't know that this is where it's... This is, this is not, like, the end game that they predict, right? So I think what happens is you sign up as a dark friend, right? And all the dark friends that we've seen so far seem to be pretty well off. So I think that once you sign on with dark friendness, then all of a sudden you start making money, you start mm-hmm. like be- becoming wealthy, and your family does really well. And then one day, you get a <laughs> you get a memo from the dark the dark lord who's like, "So about all that uh, that success you've had, now you have to go like kill a baby or something." Yeah, now it's time to go. Yeah, now you have to go run with these trollocs, and they yeah. might eat you. You I have to know. go betray your people, and then yeah. I, I think I think you get like some. So you do probably get some incentive for you know five to ten years, and then all of a sudden it's real bad news. I think it's more like a multi-level marketing scheme. Really, oh. you have the higher up dark friends who are doing really really well, and they recruit the lower dark friends who end up being trollic fodder. Well, I mean, like so far, everyone's been trollic fodder, right? So do you have to like make it through the trollic fodder ranks. Exactly. <laughs> you get to be the move up the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, I mean, like every time they change direction, they murder more people. Like they must have had a lot of dark friends with them. I, like I kept thinking throughout this chapter, I thought it was like two. I thought so too. But I mean, like every time they change direction, some more people get murdered, some more people get like eaten or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. So yeah, it must have been a, a huge crowd of people. Yeah, that nope. came with them from Faldara, which means even in Faldara, which is super righteous and very strict, right next to the light, very strict about evil, uh, had. Dozens, maybe. I assume that every character from now on is a dark friend. (laughs) Brand is a dark friend. Mm -hmm. So they, on their travels, they find an abandoned fairy village uh, that the dark friends... F-E-R-R-Y, not (laughs) F-A-I-R-Y. Right, yes. The village next to a river that has a ferry that goes across the river. Again, (laughs) F-E-R-R-Y, not (laughs) F-A-I-R-Y. And... uh, and the, the Dark Friends have been avoiding villages up till now, but they went right through this one, I guess because they needed the ferry, and the people are gone, which is probably bad news for those people. Yeah, and while they're there, like, the village is super creepy, and while they're there, uh, who is it, Uno? Uno. Thinks he sees somebody. Yeah, Uno, who is a, a new Shinaran character who just swears all the time. All he does is swear. He says flaming, and he says goat kissing a lot. That's his, which I assume is the same as, like, motherfucking. <laughs> yeah, goat yeah. kissing. Doesn't seem that bad. I kiss a goat. <laughs> oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. I kissed a goat, and I loved it. <laughs> do goats wear a cherry chapstick? <laughs> I mean, they do if you put it on there. <laughs> they do if you put it on before you kiss them. It may be right, it may be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it tastes so right. Uh, yeah, and Uno, I like Uno, because his thing is that he's he's like the baddest ass there, and he just swears a lot. <laughs> That's and he's missing an eye, too, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I assume that's why they call him Uno. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? It may not be wow. in the fiction why they call him Uno, but is that why Robert Jordan called him Uno? Oh, so, so Uno is is obviously not... Uh, that's, that's Spanish. They don't yeah. speak Spanish in this book. So, yeah, that's Robert Jordan. <laughs> maybe he likes the card game. That's why they call him that. It's true. Yeah, maybe he knows a guy who lost an eye playing Uno, the and card every, game. And every time he kills someone, he says, draw four. <laughs> <laughs> draw four bloody flaming goats. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, every time you hear someone say... Every time Robert Jordan writes, cur- you know, curses that would turn your... I don't know, turn your toenails. I don't know what he says. Yeah. Like, would make curl your beard. Your hair. Yeah, curl your hair. This is what he's <laughs> goat yeah. kissing. Yeah, buttered onions. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, Uno, again, who is a very straightforward person, uh, sees a lady and goes running after her, but she vanishes. Someone in a white dress. Yeah, a lady in a white dress. La Llorona? 
It's like it's La Llorona, it's, it's, La Llorona, it's, right? it's next to a river, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's true. A creepy village where everyone's disappeared, and then there's a woman, a mysterious woman in a white dress. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take like a the, this book is gonna take a turn into Santeria. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they pass, they get south of the river, and they find Changu and Nidao, who used to be nice and are now mean, flayed alive. Ah, so, so gross. I thought this was really weird because like, okay, so they send out some scouts to the other side of the ferry, and they come back and they said. I don't have words to describe the horrible thing I've seen. Oh, yeah. This is unspeakable. And they go over there, it's like, okay, they skinned him. Like, like they'd never seen that before. They skinned him, and they said specifically, uh, Trollocs do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't have words to describe this thing that I've probably seen several times. I was like, it's a little dramatic. I, mean, I, I was expecting a lot of things. Sh- remember in the movie Predator, when those badasses found the, the people all butchered? Even they were shocked. Yeah. But these guys, like, deal with Trollocs on a regular basis. They go hunt in the, I mean, like... They've probably seen what Trollocs do before. They even talk about it. They're like, I'm trying to think. It was, I think it was Ingtar who who says something like, uh, "Oh yeah, we, we've uh, we've seen what Trollocs do, and what Miradral do is sometimes even worse, you know." But maybe it's worse if it's somebody you knew. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they they bury him, and they actually they do the the they the, like the, kind of reluctantly give him a nice burial. The, their funerary rites, which is return you to the the embrace of the mother or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. And uh, so they're heading south, and then uh, Ingtar, uh, who is just a font of useful information, <laughs> Ingtar, the leader of the expedition. Gives Randall a history lesson. Yeah, gives him a history lesson. Tells him all about the Aiel, uh, right? Aiel? Aiel. Aiel. Uh, tells him all about the Aiel, and then gives him some history of this local area, which actually explains quite a bit about some of the questions I had before about the economy of this world. Oh, yeah? Because he specifically says... This all these nations used to be bound together, and then under Hawkwing's empire, and then they all fell apart. And you know the local nations tried to claim them, but basically they can't control these territories. So there are just no nations in a lot of places here. That doesn't make a lot of sense because like the power of the nations is just fading because everything's fading. But what causes that? Like 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 he 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 has a little a couple of kind of loose explanations. Like there you know there are less people than there used to be. The the nations are less powerful. But I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean like. The t- deteriorating soil is re- resulting in less crops. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what what causes the downfall of a nation in a situation like this? The pattern. <laughs> the pattern. That's all right. That's yeah. Right. For whatever happens, it's this is kind of alien to our experience because we've been living in a period of you know sustained progress for hundreds of years. Right. So we think everything always grows, nations always get bigger, land is always in short supply. But in this place, in this time, the nations got weaker, and there are just patches between the nations where there are villages but no local authority. No taxman. Remember, Rand and buddies come from a town that hasn't seen a taxman in six generations. That's and right. they don't even realize who they're, that Morghese is their queen. Yeah, they don't even know. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're Emmons Fielders. They're not Andorran, as far right. as they Right. Manetherin is the last country that claimed that territory, and it's gone, and no other nation has replaced it. Right. So, uh, there's a battle monument to one of Hawkwing's great battles, and it Reminded me of the Vietnam Memorial, to That's be honest. exactly what mm-hmm. I was thinking, Because yeah. instead of having Hawkwing there, Hawkwing's statue or whatever, it's a pillar with the names of all the people that died there. Yeah. Uh, one of his great battles with the Trollocs, I think it is. Yes. I, I mean, I'm sure that's intentional, right? I mean, Robert Jordan would write that into his book, Yeah, right? absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ingtar gives a little history. This There used to be a nation of Harad Dakar here, and uh, it basically just faded and disappeared. And Ingtar gives a really gloomy assessment of histor- the historical progress and says, you know, everything is fading, uh, nothing is good, everything sucks forever. Well, I, I mean, it kind of is, right? Uh, like, their world is in decline, and I guess as far as the pattern goes, that's, that's it, everything's cyclical, so this is, this is the downturn of, of, right. of a world. Yeah. Magically. So they come across another empty village, and in this one, I love the description of this village. I, I found it very evocative. Yeah. They've got walls, and they've got like a simple gate that they, they block people out, and because there's no nation, there's no authority around here, they defend themselves against bandits and stuff like that, and uh, they, they, sh- they are not part of Shinar, but the Shinarans consider themselves the protectors of this village, but the villagers don't like the Shinarans very much. Because well, they don't, right? Because yeah. the Shinarans don't actually protect them. They, don't, yeah, they can't right. reach that far. Yeah, really. They spend all their time fighting the Trollocs. And uh, in this village, which is also uh, depopulated in another spooky way, yep. uh, they, they, first of all, uh, Uno sees the woman again, yep. uh, just briefly, and Rand has a flashback or something it's like he's in one of the some houses. Sort of like 
trap or like something. a spell. Yeah, he goes yeah. into one of the houses and has a vision of like something coming in the doors of the house and killing the people or scaring the people in the house. And he just gets stuck in a loop and happens again and again and again. I found that very creepy. Yeah. yeah. And there's like flies that are, that are every time it loops, the flies are worse. Yeah. When he comes back to the real world, there's more and more flies yeah. crawling all over everything and he's cold and, and, uh, it's weird. This is kind of like that thing that happened when he was practicing with land where the wind grabbed him and, and pushed him around. Uh, just a weird thing that happens. Yeah. There's, there's no explanation for it, but it seems pretty clear that it's something magical he's tripped or triggered and I, I mean I don't know if he was it was if it was meant to catch him or if it was just just uh, mm-hmm. meant to interfere with whoever came along but right uh, it, it's convenient that it's him because he's the only one who seems to he, I mean he, he escapes it by it seems like he's using the power yeah somehow. it seems like that and also in this village there is a mirror draw nailed to a door <laughs> yeah uh, which I guess was the mirror draw that was that was leading those Trollocs uh, but not anymore. Yeah, he's got uh, spikes through his eyes, or lack of eyes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I guess now he's got eyes. So this is our first clue that maybe this isn't your typical uh, Trolloc raid. <laughs> I wanted to call our attention to something very important here, because we had a question in the last book that is conveniently answered by this mirror draw. Mm-hmm. Did you notice what happens to his cloak? Yes. You wrote it down too? I wrote it down yep. too. Yeah. <laughs> it flaps in the wind. So he's dead and his cloak is affected by the wind. Yes. Does that happen at the moment he dies? Oh, that's a good question. Or does it fade off over time? I, well, uh, so 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 he is the source of the magic. Clearly. Sure. Well, his life. Yeah, yeah right, right. So the, so the cloak is not inherently magic. It's not a special cloak. If he took it off, it would probably be affected by the wind. Right. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, like, I guess it depends on... to Okay. I'm going to say that it probably takes some time to fade because, you know, his magic... Huh. Oh, fade. Is it called fades? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally... I meant to say that. That was, <laughs> that was an on-purpose joke. Yeah. Uh, I think it probably takes some time to start flapping. I think that his magic probably seeps into it over time. Mm, yeah. I guess. Yeah, this, this is just one more data point on how these mirror draw work, which is different from everything else. Yeah. <laughs> If the mirror draw sleeps, does the thing is it affected by the wind? Oh, that's it's a something good question. he has to focus on. <laughs> is it something the mirror draw is like constantly concentrating on? <laughs> if he forgets to do it, does it start flapping? He's, right, like, he's really embarrassed. <laughs> well, and does that apply to warders' cloaks as well? Because we know that right. warders have some sort of magic. They have so, special cloaks. Yeah. So when Land takes his cloak off, does that mean that it hasn't become camouflaged? He, if he puts it on the inside of his backpack, does it take on the color of the inside of his backpack? <laughs> <laughs> Is it really hard to find it in the bottom of his backpack? Yeah, I swear it's here somewhere. Because we also find out he has scaled armor that helps him blend into the darkness or the forests as well. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. So are Warders and Miradrol essentially like the same like soldier tier level? I think they are, yeah. Yeah, because like you have your you have your Trollocs and yeah. you have your soldiers, and then you have your Miradrol and you have your Warders, right? Yeah, I, I would say that. I, maybe Trollocs are a tier higher than regular soldiers. Yeah, well maybe not Shinaran soldiers. Yeah, but not Shinaran soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so borders are basically like the they're good guy mirror draw. Good guy mirror draw. Well, they're Aes Sedai mirror draw. Aes Sedai aren't always good guys. They're yeah. probably warder dark friends. Oh. Well, no, most dark friends are pretty schlubby, right? We don't know, right? Well, well I mean, we, we, we've met a few at this point, and mostly they're just like, I mean, every now and then they'll have a magical dagger or something, but every dark friend we've met so far has mostly just been like an asshole who has some money, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Chapter 11, Glimmers of the Pattern. With the Wheel of Time. And so now they're camping south of the Aranen. And uh, Ingtar says that after they got south of the Aranen, he's supposed to tell Rand that Rand is second in command. <laughs> after Ingtar dies, Rand will be in charge. And, and we get like a whole pair. I, I know we've already talked about this, but we get like a whole paragraph of colorful language from Uno. I just wanted to point out. <laughs> do, you, do you want to read it? Uh, you can or I can. Okay. Yeah. All I'm bloody saying is that I bloody saw her burn you just before we found the goat kissing half man. The same flaming woman at the flaming fairy. She was there and then she bloody wasn't. You say what you bloody want to, but you watch how you flaming say it, or I'll bloody skin you myself and burn the goat-kissing hide, you sheep-gutted milk drinker. It's so good. <laughs> That's so good. I, I, it was one of my favorite paragraphs. Oh, my up, God. Up you sheep-gutted milk drinker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Uno. What does that mean? Like, if you, milk drink, if you drink milk, is that a bad thing? I think it's like mouth breather. 
milk yeah, drink your like, mouth breather? Like, like you're a child? Or... But it's good for your bones. <laughs> I would hope they drink milk, or otherwise, otherwise they're, you know. And if you have sheep guts, then you're, you probably don't have as, you're probably not good at uh, digesting a lot of stuff. That's <laughs> true, sure you can't eat meat. You got sheep guts. <laughs> so you drink the milk. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I love it. I, it, was, I love it was a great it. paragraph. Sorry. Yeah. I know that's not, uh, you know. No, no, it's, fa- yeah. it's fantastic. I, I love it too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Ingtor says Rand's second in command, and this appears to be Moraine's work, yeah. uh, and gives him uh, the banner which Moraine sent with Ingtar, oh, wrapped up all secret, uh, which is the dragon banner, the banner that literally is designed to tell everybody for miles around that Rand is the dragon. That seems like maybe a thing you wouldn't want to carry around yet. I mean, like I, I, I could see this being really important later on, but I mean, you know. Maybe keep it tucked for now. Mm-hmm. And we're not entirely sure why she's so why she does it because I think she's trying to get him to admit that he is the Dragon Reborn and start acting like the Dragon Reborn. I guess. I think it's also a way to keep him uh, off kilter. Like she doesn't want him comfortable, and she doesn't want him feeling safe because although he's out in the wild, he wants her. Uh, she wants him to be thinking about her. She wants she wants him to be thinking about like what he's supposed to be doing. You know, it's it's just a a way of keeping a string around him. I think. I, I thought her game was to deliberately like ice him out, and so that that way he'll go off and do what she wants him to do. But but she was thinking if she tries and manipulate him into doing what she wants him to do, he'll do the opposite. But this is a pretty clear manipulation. Yeah. Right? I, I would think so, yeah. She's trying to separate him from his old life. And he, yeah, and he thinks to himself, a, if I could burn this thing without them seeing it, I'd probably do it. But I can't, because it's really big. Yeah. And it's not it's neither woven nor painted, and you don't know how it's made. Yeah, we don't even know if it would burn. And so this banner gets him busted by Matt and Perrin, who see the, drag, the, the dragon banner. Uh, and they're like, what the hell? And Rand finally opens up with them about what's going on. That the Aes I say he's the Dragon Reborn. And Matt is pretty uncool about it. I think they both are... Matt and Perrin are both uncool about it. Like, Perrin's okay. I think I think if it weren't for Matt, Perrin would be like, whatever, you know? But, yeah. You're yeah. right. And Matt, yeah, Matt's like, well, you can channel. And, uh, and Perrin's like, well, you know, he's still our friend. And Matt's like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not our friend anymore. Everything's different now. I'm going to sleep on the other side of the camp from you. <laughs> and leaves. He's just totally rude. Even though, like... Rand explicitly says at this point, the only reason I'm here is to get that stupid dagger so you don't die, Matt. And Matt's like, uh, I don't care. Screw you. I'm Matt. Yeah. And uh, and Perrin says it in less rude words, but he still says all oh, things aren't the same. And Perrin gives him some really bad advice. Not bad advice in, like, advice to do the wrong thing, just useless. Like, he, he says... You know, what is it? He says something like... I think I would burn this or bury it if I were you. Then I'd run so far, so fast, no eyes that I would ever find it. Matt was right about that. And that's. Then he says, uh, Rand, I'd run. But maybe you can't run. Think of that too. Yeah, that was the advice. He's saying, I would run, but maybe you shouldn't run. I think we're continuing with the emo parent. Yeah, I guess you could run or not. And then his, his yellow eyes seemed to look inward and he sounded tired. Sometimes you can't run. <laughs> yeah. Perrin's still being Mr. Pouty Face about having these cool wolf powers. I know, right? So is he, yeah. now he's the last one to like not tell anyone what his thing is. Though at this point, with the, the dragon, the dragon reborn reveal, it's kind of like I guess it'll yeah, it's not gonna have the same bang. Right, exactly. <laughs> this thunder well, has been stolen. Well, I'm a wolf guy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, but, uh, so I yeah, I'm, I'm a little miffed at them. You know, their oldest friend. They just sort of. Yep. Block him out. No. They they're not there to help him. No, nope, you're a man who channels. You suck. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's frustrating because up until this point, all I was thinking was Rand should just fucking tell him, right? Mm-hmm. And now, well, I mean, maybe, maybe he, he was should right. fucking tell yeah, him. Yeah, and they, they wouldn't be his friends anymore. His friends are shitty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Rand goes friends. to bed. And uh, now we cut to Padden Fane in the horror camp where he's like, there's a bunch of dark friends who are terrified of him. And he says, don't worry, I don't need to kill you right now to feed the Trollocs. Yeah. There. Are you reassured now? Uh, he's got the horn, uh, and he's got the dagger, and he, in this scene, he sends the Trollocs to go kill all the prisoners. He's just, oh yeah, the prisoners, go kill them all. From the village, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's kids and women there. Yep. And he just does it without even thinking about it. Yeah, because they're slowing him down. He's like, we need to move faster, you can go eat them if you want. Mm-hmm. But, but you make know. sure you leave their heads. 
Yeah, stack them up. To freak, like, yeah, freak out the people who are following us. Yeah, it's just awful. Yeah. It's a horror show. And uh, but so it turns out Patton Fane is the one who killed the Mirdral. Uh, whatever uh, power he's got, he it's it's good. They don't do a really good job of explaining this. Like Mirdral are pretty tough, and Patton Fane doesn't seem overtly strong in any way. Not physically strong. So like. Mm. He just like climbed up him and put the spikes in his face. I'm like, how did I, I was having trouble picturing how this fight would have gone down. I don't understand it either, but it, it must have something to do with the dagger. I I think I thought that he probably is in command of the Trollocs, and he just ordered a bunch of Trollocs to swarm the half man. And yeah, then he did the his Trollocs thing. are more scared of Pad and Fane than they are of the the Fade. It is yeah. possible, yeah. Because the Trollocs are definitely afraid of him and the dagger too. Mm-hmm. I, I I think he mentions at some point that they've seen what. We don't know what this means, but they something about them knowing what the dagger could do or what, what scenes, what happens when he uses the dagger or yeah. something like that. So we've got this whole company of Trollocs here, and then we have this evil guy who's leading them who orders an entire village to be massacred. Mm. So that's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are at least a dozen dark friends with them from Faldara. Yeah, so, so many long. dark friends. Yeah. And there's still more in Faldara because someone shot right. the arrow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, another element in our, you know, Pro con list of why you would be a dark friend. This is definitely a con. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, evil. Uh, you know, Pat. I don't. Know, what do you? What, do you, what would you call Pat and Fane? He's not just a dark friend anymore. I don't know. Fane. Yeah. yeah. An evil possessed. Right. Uh, He's a bunch of different things now. Yeah. Well, and this goes back to um, I, if if we want to think about this as autobiographical, this idea that power power corrupts as well. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. when you're in power, you can do truly evil things. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Pettenfane, the last thing that we learn about him is he's still obsessed with Rand, and he's he's still obsessed with Toman Head for some reason. Mm. This place that keeps popping up. Yeah, that because I, so I, I guess he's the one who left that message in the yeah the prison. We'll right? meet again on Toman Head, him or Mordeth or whoever it is in there. Right. So, chapter twelve, woven in the pattern with the flame of Tarvalon. See a lot of these flames of Tarvalon. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Egwene and Nynaeve uh, meet the Amarlin seat just after the Arrow incident. So we went back in time a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the Emerald Seat's like, great, nice to meet you. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have much for them. Uh, but the Emerald Seat leaves Faldara without waiting for the, the archer to be found. Yeah, and, and again, Lord, Lord Agomar is, is almost suspiciously insistent that they stay. Like, I feel like he keeps making more and more excuses. Like, mm-hmm. he had talked about you know, there, there being some other king who's coming around... You know, it's like doing me a dishonor. We have to feel like he's really trying to keep them from leaving for some reason. I I buy it. You know, he's he's a stickler for honor and tradition and rituals and stuff. And it's you know, being a visit from the Amarlin seat is a big deal, and he doesn't want to blow it. It could just be that all this dark friend stuff is making me super paranoid. Yeah, it could be. Words, I think or they, it could all be dark friends. Yeah, and yeah. they just don't know about it, including so the Amarlin seat. Yeah, <laughs> Amarlin seat's a dark friend too. Yeah, that uh, Egwene and Nynaeve go with uh, with the Armelin seat because they're heading back to Tarvalon, where Egwene and Nynaeve are going to become Aes Sedai. And uh, as they travel, uh, we get a little bit of uh, magic power stuff because uh, uh, Varen comes in and starts teaching Egwene about the the power. I guess it's a good thing uh, that they didn't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember? Yeah, remember when they were about to kill her? Yeah. Kill Varen, and uh, we get a lot of info about how channeling works and. Uh, at least what Varen is teaching them is sort of like you, you make yourself into a flower bud mentally and you open yourself up and let the light. Okay, can I say that's bullshit? Because with Rand, it's always about the flame and the void, mm-hmm. which is super cool. With women, when they're powering, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be about flowers opening? I think, yeah, what we're Come seeing on. is that they're, they're different. Uh-huh. They're separate yeah. but equal. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, this is, this is how women be, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, Alice, women are like flowers. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's no, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. No way around it. So it's sort of a for women's channeling. It's sort of like surrendering to it and controlling it by surrendering to it. Yeah. Uh, and for men channeling, we don't know that much about it, but there's not a lot of surrendering. Nope. Uh, and uh, so Nynaeve is sitting in on the the lessons also, uh, because apparently. She might be far enough along to get jumped up to the next rank of Aes Sedai, the accepted instead of novice. I was wondering, do you think this is like, that's, I, I wonder if this is real or if this is just like Aes Sedai manipulation to try and get her to actually follow along with these magic lessons because she wouldn't be. otherwise. Yeah, Varen uh, seems to be very manipulative yeah, on the DL. She's really smart, yeah. And uh, Nynaeve, there's a neat scene where Nynaeve gets really angry while trying to channel and 
burns a bunch of blankets nearby, yeah. which I guess could have been a person, you know? Good thing they were blankets, I guess, yeah. Yeah, was she angry at those blankets? Oh, they're so scratchy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but 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 Varen does give us some very important notes about why it's so important that they do this, because they, especially with Nynaeve, she can channel, and but she doesn't have a lot of control, so mm-hmm. if, if she does the wrong thing, she could die, she could like burn herself out, she could mm-hmm. kill somebody else, I and mean, there's a lot of like risk associated with this. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't be okay if she went off on her own, basically, is what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, so, at some point in this traveling, uh, a bunch of Aes Sedai just leave uh, the, the traveling party without telling anybody. Moraine leaves, Leandrin leaves, and Viren also leaves. <laughs> like, one after the other, not together. Yeah, not together. They all just, on their Aes Sedai business, whatever, uh, you know, skullduggery and, and manipulative games they're doing, they all take off, and the ambulance seat's like, well, that sucks. Yeah, because it, it seems like it wasn't to her instruction. It seems like it was something that... Yeah, as far as we know. Yeah, but so, then we you know, we know that she and Marion are scheming together, so maybe... Yeah, so the games the games are still afoot, whatever the Aes Sedai are up to. We, we only know, like, a tiny part of it. Uh, but Egwene has a dream. This, I think this is... Is this the first time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Somebody besides Rand has had a portentous dream? Well, I mean, like, Matt and Perrin were sharing dreams with Rand for a little while, but this is definitely the first first uh, prophetic dream I think that we've seen mm-hmm. uh, it does seem to be prophetic because well not only is there a cameo from Baalzaman our right. old friend now he's wearing a mask because his face is all burned yeah because he got burned by Rand yeah he's uh, but Rand is in danger and there's a, a woman with eyes like the moon standing over him and, and maybe putting him in danger yeah we don't know what that is I guess we don't know yet yeah I mean I guess Lanfear maybe she's they said that she's around but we haven't mm-hmm. actually seen her and uh, so she tells Anaya about it, who is that Aes Sedai who is just really nice. <laughs> the friendly that's her thing. And super into dudes, right? Uh, is she the that, one? That's Elena. Okay. Who's green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Anaya says, well, maybe Egwene is a dreamer. Capital D. So another new magic thing. Less dumb than Sniffer, though. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hey, I, Which one would you rather have around? Which one would be more useful? A dreamer or a Sniffer. They're both not that useful, to be honest. I guess a dreamer, because, I mean, I don't really need somebody who can sniff out where violence has been done for me. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends. Like, it's situational, right? I mean, like, sometimes yeah, you need to find a bunch of murderers. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your quest is to find a serial killer. A sniff would be super useful. That's true. You may say, I'm a sniffer. <laughs> but I'm not the only one, except he is. is oh, he's the only one. That's true. As far as we know. Yeah. I think that they said, well... I can't remember. Did they say that there's there they know of sniffers and there's just not very many of them, or did they say he's the only one? They know? Yeah, Ingtar doesn't say it's particularly weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says unusual, but he's not like this is the strangest thing ever in the whole world. Mm. Yeah, we have a sniffer. They yeah. have a word for it. It's a stupid word, but they have a word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're all uh, minus Moraine, Leandrin, and Viren heading to Tarvalon, and they head off. So chapter thirteen, from stone to stone. And we have a new symbol. Yeah, it's a, a some kind of pillar with writing on it. Which is... He very describes squiggly. the writing. Yeah, it's a very squiggly writing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. It's probably not supposed it to It looks kind of like Prince's symbol. The artist formerly known as Prince. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is like the, the piece of paper where Prince was coming up with his new... His, his formerly known as Prince name. <laughs> right, yeah. he, like, it does seem like something he would do. He didn't write them down, he etches them on a pillar. <laughs> So, uh, Rand, Loyal, and Huron wake up in a different place than they went to sleep. I've uh, been there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so Rand does a little bit of sleep teleporting, which is like sleepwalking, but you can bring friends. <laughs> right, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess it's, I guess Matt was totally right not sleeping next to Rand. Yeah, they, like, you know, as, as hard of a time as we were giving them, if, uh, you know, if Loyal had done a little bit of, like, staying away from Rand business... He wouldn't be trapped in some, you know, whatever the fuck they're in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they are in a, a place. They're in a weird place. It's, uh, it sounds like interdimensional travel. Yeah, when they went to sleep, they were uh, they were next to a stone that, that, that had some writing on it. And Loyal did not recognize it then. But in this new place, they're next to a stone that is, like, not all worn down, is in good shape. Uh, and Loyal recognizes it. He says it's a stone with a capital S. And it specifically says that you can tell from the way he says it. That it's a capital S. Stone. So from now on, we're going to say stone with a capital S. <laughs> stone. <laughs> stone. Which has steps carved into it? 
Yeah, it's it's like on a on a pedestal with steps, like seven steps, the color of the seven ajas of the Aes Sedai. Mm. Interesting. And uh, Loyal knows what this is. Uh, he thinks he there's a scrap in an old book that these stones are like they let you they they're connected to other worlds the lines of if they're uh, other worlds that like are other alternative realities if something was different the lines of if that's what it says that's what it says yeah. i missed that so it's basically yeah. just like the isodai version of a portal gun right uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it doesn't take you to the other parts of the same world is what Loyal seems to be saying. It takes you to another place. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it, it, you, you hop into a like a, 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 an alternate universe, I guess, right? Like a split yeah. timeline kind of thing. Yeah, or something. We don't really know. Yeah. We know it's we, like everything seems faded out and not right. And, and when they is... turn their heads, like things jump forward and backwards in their peripheral vision. And I think he mentions like some burned out areas, right? Yeah, it's all like empty grass, uh, except for some burned out trees. And so that's that's what's up. Uh, and they're in this place, and Loyal's supposition is that somehow they've activated this stone, and they've they've transferred to another world. And the Aes Sedai used to do this, but the Aes Sedai didn't necessarily build these stones. These are older than the Age of Legends. Right. So they don't know what the heck's going on, and that's that's a problem. And probably Rand did this in his sleep. Yep. Probably, right? <sighs> Seems likely. Uh, I'd like to point out that Loyal... Is the MVP because without him they would not know what's going on. Yeah, yeah that's very convenient that Loyal went with them. Mm-hmm. Sophie's moving from one place to another in his sleep. Is it a nocturnal transmission? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> uh, yeah, Lo- Loyal is a is a very useful character to have around since he knows about everything. Like he's just like, yeah, he knew how to get in the ways and he knew how to read the ways to get him around. And now he knows about these stones. Uh, yeah, he's like a. He's like Wikipedia. Yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and Huron starts freaking out because he's just some dude, basically. Yeah. I got yeah. a wife. Yeah. I got a wife and kids. Yeah. Uh, he's know. like, and his first thing he says is like, man, my wife is going to feel really bad if she doesn't have a body to bury when I disappear. Because, <laughs> you know, he's Shinar and he expects he's going to die, but he's like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's find my corpse or something. Yeah, and it, there's a turning point here because... Since Huron is freaking out, Rand actually starts leading for maybe the first time. Everybody, uh, everybody has been calling him a lord, uh, but this is the first time he starts acting like one. Uh, and he thinks like, "Well, this is what lord." Well, that's what Huron says, I think, or he thinks that about Huron. Oh yeah, this, like, is, this is how they think of lords. Like, yeah, lords this is what lords do. Fix things. Yeah. yeah, they take care of problems. Which again is is coming back to that point we were discussing earlier about the idea of perception of like what a lord is and like what it really means, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, like. He wasn't born into it. All it, it's just it's just someone that people look at and say that person's going to fix things. Yeah. So like maybe the takeaway is that Rand was if Rand turns out to be a lordly person, then he was wrong about not being a lord in the first place. Yeah. It's not about where you were born; it's about how you act. Some kind of internal nobility. Right. It's about friendship, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rand tries to channel their way back with a stone, and he fails. Uh, and it, he says the void breaks into like a thousand razor sharp blades that 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 slash his mind up uh which sounds pretty bad but it doesn't seem to have any ill effects on it. yeah well it makes him feel like dirty yeah makes him feel bad because the if the flame because he, he goes into the flame in the void and the flame is now like sickly and oily and and when he tries to 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 grab the flame he fails to grab it but he's left with the the oil the filth on him and it makes him sick to his stomach so this is the first time he's intentionally channeled right I think so. The first time he's intentionally tried because he yeah. fails. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. because up until this happened, Rand would probably never have actually intended, like, tried intentionally to channel, right? So it's kind of a, it's yeah. a useful it's a useful literary plot or useful plot device because mm-hmm. now he has to try and channel. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Doctor Strange. Like Doctor Strange, exactly. Like Strange. <laughs> but it, unlike Doctor Strange, he fails. Right. And uh, so the violence trail is still here for some reason because they, they don't yet understand how this world that they're in works, this place. And they decide to just follow the violence trail uh, and try and get the horn and the dagger back and maybe meet up with Ingtar that way. Uh, and as they, as they move out, they notice that the distances are really weird. Uh, you know, things are, the distance of things on the horizon is, is different depending on whether you're looking at it or not. Uh, but they head south, and that's the end of the chapter. Yep. 
It's quite a cliffhanger. Yeah, I think... I feel like in these chapters, the story kind of started going in this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a whole lot of throat clearing in the previous chapters and sort of recapitulating who the characters were and what was going on and and a lot of foretelling and and some some dark prophecy written on blood in the walls. Yeah, yeah, but... But, uh, yeah, finally stuff is happening. It's it's uh, getting more interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Man, this is going to look really bad for Rand. What do you mean? So, so they're going to wake up, Ingtar's going to wake up in the morning, and Rand is going to have dif- disappeared with their sniffer. Oh, yeah. They're kind of hosed, right? Like, they don't, how are they going to track these dark friends now? How will they? Cliffhanger. Find yeah. out next dun, time. Dun, dun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's it for this episode. Uh, next time we're going to cover... Chapters 14 through 19. Yeah, what she said. And I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. Uh, if you have uh, any questions, comments, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. And uh, please like us in real life. We're very likable. Because, yeah, we're likable. Uh, until next time... The The light light illumined you. you.